0: a reading from the second letter to the Corinthians. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work as it is written he scatters abroad he gives to the poor his righteousness endures forever he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvestness of your righteousness you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity which will produce thanksgiving to god through us For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given to you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift, the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to
1: God. A couple of weeks ago, as I was skimming through Facebook and skipping as quickly as I could past all of the political posts and all of the cute pictures of your kittens, <laughs> I came across something worthwhile. It was actually a photograph that first captured my attention. It was obviously an old picture that showed a physician and a nurse standing at either end of a gurney, and on the gurney lay their patient, probably about an eight-year-old child. The article underneath the photograph said that this was a photograph from the University of Toronto Hospital in 1922. And it celebrated the work of two physicians, Dr. Banting and Dr. Best. They had come in 1922 into the children's ward of the hospital where they knew were several children, unconscious, waiting to die. Their parents were with them. They knew, the parents and the children, that they were going to die. They suffered from a condition called ketoacidosis that occurs when the pancreas is not working properly. And so these two physicians had created a new substance. They brought it to the hospital ward, administered it to all the children there, and the children lived. That story means something to Helen and to me because 33 years ago, our six-year-old daughter was given the gift of insulin and she lives, as do many of you. We will be forever grateful. So here's my question. What fills your hearts with gratitude? For what are you deeply grateful? What causes you to say, Thank you. The last several Sundays that I have stood before you to speak about the truth of the gospel, we have read together from a portion of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. It's a stewardship letter. Paul is raising money, and none of us, likes to preach those messages, none of us likes to hear those messages. But I snuck it in on you in the summertime before the fall stewardship campaign. (laughs) Paul has talked about the fact that God has blessed us with incredible blessings and God has also given us the blessing of giving back. Paul himself in the first century knows that the Christians back in Jerusalem are poor and starving and suffering. And so as he goes among the churches that surround the Aegean Sea, he is asking them to give out of their abundance in order to help those back in Jerusalem who are suffering. He's collecting an offering. And as he talks with the church in Corinth, as well as the other churches, he reminds them that God has given them many blessings. God has even given them material wealth. And now God is giving them the opportunity to give back so that all of God's people will have enough. Paul is reminding them that God invites all of us to use what God has given us, not just money, but time, talent, energy, experience, opportunity, God has given us the blessing of using all the things that God has given us, not just for our own good, but for the good of others. And so I thank God for Dr. Banting and Dr. Best, who used what they had to save my child's life. Now you would think that at the end of his conversation with the Corinthians, because he's trying to raise money, that he would simply re-emphasize that fact and say, come on folks, get out the checkbooks, pull out your credit cards, and give. But that's not where Paul ends the conversation. Paul ends the conversation where it needs to be ended and where you and I need to pay the most attention. Look again at the words that Laura read for us a moment ago. Paul says to the Corinthians, you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God. Not that your great generosity produces good things for the folks back in Jerusalem. That's part of what happens. But that your generosity produces thanksgiving to God. He goes on, he says, the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. And then later he says that we long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that he has given to you. Thanks be to God. One of the things that disciples of Jesus need to learn is that everything begins with God and everything ends with God. Any conversation that we want to have whether it be about stewardship or any other topic in the Christian life is that we begin and we end with God. Paul begins with God's gifts to others and then he ends with the thanksgiving, the gratitude that God fills our hearts with because of the opportunity that we have been given to give to others. And so let's talk for a minute about the business of gratitude, about being thankful. What does it do? Why is it so important? Why would Paul end this conversation about a very important matter to the Jerusalem church especially by saying, let's thank God. God Paul knew what all people of faith know that you and I in order to be spiritually healthy you and I in order to experience the blessings that God wants to offer us you and I in order to survive the hard knocks and tough times and craziness of this life you and I need always to remember to be grateful I realize that every single person in this room every single person in this room could write a long list today of all of the problems and issues and difficulties of your lives some of you are really good at sharing those with me all the time (laughs) and that's okay don't stop But do you realize there's more to your life and more to all of our lives together than just our problems, just our pains and heartaches and sorrows? There's more. And that's God's gift to us, to remind us that there's more. One of the ways we remember is by stepping back from our narrow little focus on our narrow little lives and seeing what's there. Paul enlarges the vision for those Corinthian Christians by saying, yes, God has given you wonderful things. I'm asking you to give some of it up to take care of other people. And remember, it's all because of God's generosity to us. And we can be thankful. I don't know that I've ever met a person who could be filled with gratitude and thankfulness and appreciation and at the same time be bitter and angry and defeated. Those two things don't live together with each other in our souls. No matter how tough your life is, and, and I realize it can be really tough. No matter how many challenges you face, and I realize sometimes there's challenges seem to be overwhelming, still we can be thankful to God for what we have and for what God has given us. I observe people all the time. It's a great privilege that the calling that Jan and I share especially, that we get to share in people's lives and the good stuff like baptizing two <laughs> squiggly little babies That's the good stuff. We also get to do the not-so-good stuff. And one of the things I've observed over the years is that people do not like to be with other people when they are cranky, angry, tired, depressed, and confused. I don't like to be around people when they're that way. I am around people when they're that way. And part of my job is to say, I'm sorry you hurt so bad, but there's more going on. That more going on is the blessing of God in our lives. You see, when we choose to thank God, to be filled with gratitude, God changes us. God fills us with the power, with the passion, with the joy that nothing can take away and that makes us happier people that makes us stronger people that makes us better people that makes us people who better reflect the image of God that God built into us and that we see supremely in the Lord Jesus Christ and so our choice to be filled with gratitude is a choice that benefits us and it benefits other folks Have you ever noticed how you cannot be around a laughing baby without starting to laugh? Those are also good things in Facebook. When they show a picture of a laugh, I don't care what's going on. If it's a laughing baby, I'll sit there and laugh with a kid for a while. (laughs) Because we all need it, don't we? You cannot help but be around people who are filled with joy and thankfulness and gratitude in their hearts. And at least be challenged to find that for your own life. And usually they will pull you up rather than pull you down. And that's a great gift. That's part of the gift of living in the community of God's people. That's part of the gift of learning to follow Jesus Christ. To experience that joy and power no matter how much junk there is going on in your life. And then to welcome others into that same joy and power. It's a simple message that Paul gives us at the end of this stewardship letter. It's not a message about how you need to give more. It's not a message about how you need to think about others. It's a message about being filled with thankfulness. Years back, someone sent me an email that had a long list of things for which we can be thankful. Let me share it with you and see if it helps you get in touch with some of the things for which you can be thankful. I'm thankful for the spouse who complains when dinner is not on time because that means that he's home with me and not with someone else. I'm thankful for the teenager who's complaining about doing dishes because that means she's at home with me and not on the streets. I'm thankful about the mess to clean up after a party because it means I've been surrounded by friends. I'm thankful about the taxes I pay because it means that I'm employed. I'm thankful about the clothes that fit a little too snug because it means I have enough to eat. I'm thankful for my shadow who watches me work because it means I'm out in the sunshine. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs mowing, windows that need cleaning, and gutters that need fixing because it means I have a home. I'm thankful for all the complaining I hear about our government, because it means we have freedom of speech. I'm thankful for the space I find at the far end of the parking lot, because it means I'm capable of walking. I'm thankful for my huge heating bill, because it means I'm warm. I'm thankful for the lady behind me in church who sings off-key, because it means that I can hear. I'm thankful for the <laughs> That one doesn't work so well, sorry. I'm thankful for the piles of laundry and ironing because it means I have clothes to wear. I'm thankful for weary and aching muscles at the end of the day because it means I've been productive. I'm thankful for the alarm that goes off in the early morning hours because it means that I'm still alive. I'm thankful for getting too much email that bogs me down, but at least I know that I have friends who are thinking of me. I'm thankful, I'm thankful, I'm thankful. For what are you thankful? Will you make the choice to let gratitude overflow from your own heart and drown out the pain and the sorrow and the misery? All that bad stuff won't go away, but you'll deal with it differently in your life today if you will simply be thankful. Amen.